0: We started off with a simple one product company to now having a full suite. When you have those set of products matched against consumer experience that has rapidly evolved from being transactional to experience based, as a company, we have to evolve.
1: Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter Hine. My guests today are Diane Moray and Satish Muthu Krishnan. Dai is the president of consumer and commercial banking at Ally Bank. She has oversight of the deposits, Ally Invest, Mortgage, Ally Lending, Ally Credit Cards, and corporate finance businesses, as well as customer care and operations. She also oversees Ally's Community Reinvestment Act program. Satish is the Chief Information, Data, and Digital Officer of Ally Financial. He's responsible for advancing Ally's technical and digital capabilities, including cybersecurity and infrastructure, and accelerating the company's growth evolution as a leader in the digital financial services sector in 2023 the wall street journal named allies its pick for best online bank and the rationale behind it can be tracked to the work Dai and satish have undertaken i look forward to learning more about it through this conversation and now for a word from our partner codium the last year has been filled with conversations around generative ai but are you wondering how to actually get real value today from this revolutionary technology Codium, spelled C-O-D-E-I-U-M, is an AI-powered tool that is securely personalized to your internal data, making software development teams 20% more productive and often writing over 40% of new code. This clears out time to tackle more problems and multiply your business outcomes. Join a long list of companies from startups to Fortune 500s that have chosen Codium as their internal productivity tool of choice for their software development teams. Reach out at codium.com that's C-O-D-E-I-U-M
2: And now for a word from our
1: partner, ASAP, and the company's founder and chief executive officer, Gustavo Saposnik, whose mission is to build machine learning products to solve some of the world's largest and most difficult problems.
2: Well, Gustavo, take a moment, if you would, and describe ASAP's business. We have a very, very simple mission. Our mission is to end bad customer service. It doesn't just mean the relatively miserable experience that we tend to have as consumers with the enterprises. It's more broad than that. The problem of customer experience, more broadly defined, can be really thought as a three-legged stool one leg of the stool is the enterprise itself another leg of the stool is the customer and the third leg of the stool is the agent that works for the enterprise so what's remarkable about this problem is that all three legs um, i can argue perhaps successfully are, are very broken if you are an enterprise you truly dislike the idea of how much money you have to spend in this domain. So the economic problem for enterprise and how much OpEx this represents is represent, it's just staggering. For customers, we're all customers of companies, so we understand the frustration. And agents have one of the highest attrition rates of any job type in the world. All of this to say we have this very simple mission of, of ending bad customer service for all of those constituencies.
1: And now on to the interview. Dai Satish, welcome to Technovation. It's great to speak with you both.
3: Thank you so much, we're delighted to be here. Peter,
0: great to be back.
1: Yes, great to see you both. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the conversation. And Dai, maybe I'll, I'll begin with you. Given your purview, which I just uh, described, can you talk a bit about the role of uh, technology and digital play in differentiating Ally Bank's offering?
3: Absolutely, and, and I would just say from the, the start, we consider Ally as the leading digital financial institution. We've worked really hard over a number of years to continue to build out Ally Bank. And quite frankly, as a digital-only technology-first company, we live and breathe by what we can do in terms of advancing technology and digital innovation for our customers. So it is central. I often say it's our oxygen and and we're really proud of what we've been able to do. And quite frankly, we've just been accelerating that over the last few years with Satish here with us.
1: That's really fantastic. And and you've uh, been a a leader within the organization. Uh, You started in 2008, you're a few months away from your 16th anniversary with the organization. And uh, I, I wonder if you can reflect upon the, the, the evolution of that. As you described, this is an, it's been an extraordinary uh, transformation uh, the, the company has under, undertaken, uh, the for, former GMAC uh, becoming a digital bank. Much more difficult in some ways, actually, frankly, to transform in that way from kind of the analog means of doing business to digital means, not, not being born as a digital company, but transforming into one. Can you offer some reflections across your tenure?
3: I can. And it's really been an incredible journey. And I think back, you know, when I joined the company in May of 08, which was in the peak of the financial crisis, we, we were literally um, starting from scratch or a blank sheet of paper in terms of building out the bank. We had a very small presence and quite frankly, started very simply. We did not have capital or the, um, expense load to even invest in anything but digital at that point. And we said, the world doesn't need another bank, it needs a better bank. And that was a bit of the mantra when we defined how is Ally going to position ourselves in a crowded field. And we really rallied around this white space of doing it right for the customer. And we said, we will lean in digitally. And and the, the reflection that I love to share the most is the iPhone had just come out. it And so it really wasn't even a common way for people to conduct any of their personal business. We were intentional about looking at customer pain points, solving for them, and, and we paired a great digital technological experience with some human contact if consumers felt like they needed to talk to a human being. Over the years, We've continued to expand what we do. Um, We've grown our business. We've grown the customers that we serve. And some of the statistics that that give me great pride is I think about, you know, the 15-plus year journey we've been on. We had virtually no customers, no deposits, and we were starting with one business, which was savings accounts for consumers. And we've grown from virtually nothing to, at last count, 142.3 billion dollars in deposits. And yes, I always like to um, round up. So we're gonna take credit for that 0.3. Um, over 3 million primary deposit customers. And over the last number of years, we've added those additional businesses that you that you mentioned, credit cards, home loans, other um, investing capabilities. That all was born out of customers who started with one product or service and said, we really appreciate Ally's simplicity in terms of our digital interfaces. And, and then obviously is, as mobile became the dominant way consumers interact, we created a great app and they wanted to do more business with us. And so it's been an amazing journey. That again has been powered by continuing to stay at the forefront of digital and technological innovation. Well,
1: that's a great overview, Di. Thank you so much for for that, and really a fascinating reflection on where the world was at uh, the the commencement of your tenure compared to now. Uh, Satish, uh, I mentioned at the outset, you're the Chief Information Data and Digital Officer of the company. Uh, you're no stranger to the listeners and viewers uh, of, of Technovation as a multi-time guest and phenomenal conversations that we've had about the use of data, uh, the sanctity of it, so a lot of the innovation that you're helping drive. Uh, but you've you've introduced recently a new uh, technology operating model. I wonder if you could first describe the rationale for the change as well as the substance of it.
0: Well, thank you. Um, thrilled to be here, Peter. And it's special for me that I am here along with Dai as as you heard when i joined ally my game has to be elevated multiple levels you're joining a group of highest achievers right so you no longer can do traditional technology delivery to match what their expectations were when we started we had most of the teams operating in waterfall methodology but we had the digital portion of the team operating in spotify model you know scaled agile What we discovered was the expectations from our business partners, such as Dai, as well as the auto business and our functional leaders, as well as our consumers continued to raise. And we were also operating in, in the COVID world just after I joined. And we had to completely pivot how we delivered as a technology organization. And if you kept your eyes and ears open, while Agile was very popular, scaled Agile, was very difficult. You, you introduce unnecessary complexities. It was very difficult to operate in synchrony and deliver to business and customer expectations. And we didn't want to, while we were experimenting with the Spotify model of pods, we, we didn't want to simply accept that because it was born on the Silicon Valley side and everybody was doing it, it was best for Ally. Just like how Dice said, we didn't want a different bank, we wanted a better bank. So we didn't want a different model, we wanted a better model. Uh, so in partnership with Dai, we iterated, but we landed on what we call Allies technology operating model, Adam for short. It started off, really it started off with three steps. Ideate, which is a combination of business and technology, figuring out what we are trying to build. Elaborate, taking those ideas and transitioning into real user stories where somebody understands what the outcome is when you're building it and what features you're building and then execute, go build the code and deliver. Quickly within one or two iterations, we figured out that we needed a more broader umbrella step and we started to call it discover, meaning either as you're building it or when you're ideating, there are larger than life ideas that you cannot ignore. So we called it Discover, and we said, let's discover all the great things that we want to do for customers and then break it down to ideas, then elaborate and execute it. So what it ultimately did was, as you can see in every step, we were joined at the hip and working hand in hand, both business and the technology side, and it created a common language for all of our teams. It created visibility around what we are building, who we are building it, when we will deliver it. And it also gave the opportunity for us to track how many ideas we had in that bucket, how many of them had elaborated, and how many were moving into execution. And we didn't set timelines. Dai and I didn't set timelines. We only had a monthly meeting where the teams would come and report. And you would clearly see there are ideas that are living or lingering in execute for a longer time. So I would be anxious on why it's not delivering, while Dai would come from an empathy angle and say, oh, what is going wrong? How can we help? Did we not give you the right elaborate instructions for you to execute right? So it was a phenomenal combination. It was accidental. But this idea brought that out, and then it would be the opposite, right? When when the ideas were lingering in ID8, not moving to elaborate, Dai would be like, why are you guys sitting there? then I might jump in and say, oh, maybe we didn't show the art of the possible from a technology side. So I'm giving you an overarching explanation of what the Adam model is, and then also translating it, how it works day to day, and some of the unintended but very positive consequences and behaviors it has created, propelling our technology and the business team to do much better for our customers.
3: I would just add to that if I can, Peter. The other thing that, came through this evolution is much more clarity for the entire team in terms of what what are we trying to achieve? What does success look like? It's not just completing this work and, and moving to the next thing, but are we getting the right outcomes? How are we measuring that? And I think that group collection of common views of success really helped, again, the teams move faster and continue to push and pull on you might want that next set of capabilities. Is that critical right now? That might take a lot longer. So we can make that a phase two, or the you know, we use this phraseology: minimum viable, minimum marketable, minimum lovable. And so we, we're striving for lovable, certainly, but. You know, getting some of the viability and testing and learning and continuing to refine um, with real consumer feedback and real transactional and behavioral data that we can then analyze and feed back to the top of the funnel has also been a big unlock, I think, for the collective organization.
1: It's a fascinating uh, a description, both. Thank you so much for that, and and phenomenal the way in which you've dis- developed a process that is so metrics-driven, uh, and also as, as Dai, you so clearly uh, articulated that defines success better ultimately uh, for, for better outcomes. And Dai, uh, continuing with you for a moment, if I may, uh, what would you say differentiates this model from normal technology to business partnerships or interactions? I'm fascinated the way in which uh, the, the two of you work together in order to deliver what you've described.
3: Yeah, I'd say we spend a lot of time talking about allies' culture, and I think that is an element of what we have been able to lean into, that we are one team, whether people work for Satish or they work for me or any other part of the organization, hooking into that common purpose and really breaking down barriers or you know, whether they're real or perceived in terms of, well, it's more important to do X, Y, or Z, or it's more important for Satish to have other other metrics, the alignment and the consistency. And I think we always talk about management routines and how we're spending our time. Are we driving the right conversations? And are we, as the leaders of our respective teams, getting the barriers out of the way so that we can unlock, if there's contention about something, we air it out and you know Satish and I talk about this all the time we are great partners we don't always we don't always agree on everything but we work really well together to air whatever the thing is the barrier that might be slowing us down and and that collaboration again which is central to allies culture that collaboration and partnership that we have it cascades down through the organization because organizations are complex. So there are different structures, different teams, different leaders, but we've been very intentional to ensure that we stay aligned because our alignment becomes, I, I don't want to using the word unlock, but it, it really unlocks our team then to
0: move faster. Ms. Satish, would you add anything different to what I just said? You said it extremely well. What I would add is the biggest nightmare for a technologist, because we are all proud of what we build and we want that to run 24 by 7, and in reality, it's not. To create this radical candor with your business partners to go and say, hey, uh, my technology failed and I'm failing your customers, either they can't look at their balance or they cannot log in, The, the culture has created this collaborative relationship. That I have the ability to go have that conversation with Di, and she leans in and understands tech that I could explain the most complex problem because you know the obvious ones never impact at a big level. It is the one in a million scenario, right? And when I'm trying to explain, oh, this network firewall failed, uh, or this extraneous circumstance has happened, and truly, it is like getting hit by a lightning she would immediately understand the complexity of the technology and why it happened. And the reason I'm providing that is when we built the Adam model, we were very proud to say, I am telling you technology will deliver 100% on time and on 100% of the deliverables. When the first cycle ended, guess where we were? We were 40% commit to completion. We said we'll we'll complete 100 efforts. We only did 40% of those. But when we got together to have a readout from the team, there was no reaction. There was response in terms of how can we make this better? Where did we fail? Why did it slow down? And what were the roadblocks? This is the level of candor and conversation this culture enables. And and I'm glad to say we have moved from 40% to 80%. You want it to be, you don't want it to be 100% because people are sandbagging them. We are pushing ourselves, and we are achieving and and the teams are performing at such a higher level because of the clarity in our relationship and in our communication and the collaboration we have
1: very interesting and i was Please just going to
0: add
3: one more nice. thing you know when we started this probably not surprisingly you know we had some i don't want to call it friction but i'll call it friction some friction within the teams because they weren't necessarily all rowing in the same direction they thought they were but they weren't really. Um and and so just bringing the conversations to the forefront and empowering the teams to talk about where they're getting stuck. They know they can come to us and and we will work through any issues, but that level of Kind of pushing empowerment even further down into the organization has also resulted in a much higher level of teamwork and satisfaction because they all see success begets success. And it's it's been really rewarding to just watch it evolve over time. We're not done. We 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 we're never satisfied that we've really nailed it, but we've made a lot of headway.
1: How how interesting and inspiring. Thank you both for those descriptions. And as you describe greater partnership across the organization, more generally speaking. Uh, Satish, I I wonder if you could take a moment and describe One Ally, certainly um, a component uh, and and, and a driver of some of what you've described. Uh, To Take a moment to offer a description of it, if you would.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Peter. One Ally is our initiative to technically bring all of the experiences across all of the businesses into a single platform, powered by all of the data sitting in a single platform that enables that experience. As Dai had initially pointed out, we started out with a simple one product company to now having a full suite of products that is both B2B, B2C, and B2B2C on the auto side is very complex. When you have those set of products matched against consumer experience that has radically rapidly evolved from being transactional to experience-based. As a company, we have to evolve. One ally is our attempt to go from a product-oriented company to an experience-oriented company. So we now have successfully brought down the number of apps we have from five to one. We have scaled from having one business in one app to seven different lines of business within a single app. And all our consumers can log in and see all of the relationships they have with us. Now we have the ability to become an experience-led company through consumers. And consumers will tell us how they want it, what they want, and when they want to see it. And building this One Ally platform has allowed us the ability to in real time for them to change what they see upfront or what they see after. But then we can also match the narrative, which is what you read externally, how people judge us or how people provide feedback to data, like how who is using it, how they're using it, to behavior. Because everything is sitting in one single platform. You wrap the allies technology operating model on top of it where we can discover and ideate and move fast. We now have fully become a customer-led company enabling their experiences that they want most, at the same time, adding value to the businesses that we serve. And Go if ahead. I can
3: just add, the, the way we talk about one ally within the four walls is it's a philosophy and a mindset. And yes, there are definite technological initiatives and enablers, it's a journey. And, and again, I, I bring this back to who we are and our purpose as a company that we are striving to create exceptional experiences for our customers. If they have an exceptional experience as a banking client, we need to replicate that in any other product or service or experience they have. We haven't always had that consistency. It's a journey, but it's, it's the mindset and the philosophy of we have to start there. We have to start with a one ally mindset. It may take us a while to get there. And and as Satish just described, it has been a journey. And given that complexity, some of the things that, that we have been able to deliver under Satish's leadership, they haven't been easy. There's complexity. How do we care for that? Do we understand the journey and what we need to do to care for it? And so, again, I do bring it back to our culture that we talk about that one ally philosophy as the center post and our work needs to come from that philosophy.
1: Very interesting, again, thank you both. And Di, I wanna linger with you a little bit longer. Um, you know, As uh, the leader of a business, uh, who had, there are obviously leaders of other parts of the business as well that are enmeshed in uh, the One Ally platform. And I wonder if you could take a moment to talk a bit about the, the power of having the collective data together, um, of having a single uh, pane of glass uh for, for customers so that it isn't like the we won't name names but the uh you know cable and and wireless companies where you call one and it's as though it's a completely separate uh company from the others you know they have, they have no cognizance as to what you're doing on the other side of the house despite the same brand uh talk a bit about the uh, the power of that evolution if you would
3: Absolutely and and I would I would say the data is also central for us to be able to achieve our strategy and fulfill our purpose for our customers. If I am contacting Ally and the agent can't see my full relationship, they can't know what just happened if I happen to be getting stuck uh, you know, in the mobile app and it crashed or I couldn't proceed to a step because I didn't understand something. And again, this is another, we don't want this to sound like the Mutual Admiration Society, but I have great admiration from a partner in crime. And, and Satisha's team has accelerated our data journey unbelievably so that we have one place, one common, um, I'm gonna say set of truths where every customer We can push information, we can extract that, use that for really targeted marketing, targeted communications when a customer might choose to call our call center, push notifications into our mobile experiences. The use cases of having that at our fingertips, real time is unmatched. Again, I'd say we're never done, right? There's always more we wanna do and We have amazing, talented, smart people who are always pushing and pulling of, why can't we? How might we um, do something else to really know our customers in a much more deep and one-to-one kind of way? And so, again, if if I said that digital and technology is oxygen, having the power of the data that we can trust it, it's consistent, and we have multiple users that can tap into that power to continue to drive innovative, amazing experiences for our customers. They go hand in hand. That's why his title is what it is. There's a lot of words in Satish's title, but they all, all those things, technology, the underpinnings, the data, the digital experiences, you can't really extract them. They. It's a beautiful triumvirate.
1: Yeah. Very, very well said. And Satish, uh, given Diane's uh, great response uh, regarding, among other things, the sanctity of the data, the importance of it, and of course, the, the role that, that, that you play in ensuring that there's uh, great governance of it and, and protection of it and so forth. I wanted to ask you a bit about now that you have um, matured the data program within the organization, the way you think about new opportunities to leverage it. One thinks about AI, for instance. And I know the two of you in partnership have been doing some really interesting things relative to artificial intelligence. And I wonder if you can share some some of what you're doing uh, through that partnership.
0: We are happy to do that. You know, Dai talked about mutual admiration. We have teams that push each other to constantly innovate. And, and we often say, can we be better than yesterday? You know, how do we become even better? And it's that's it's so simple phrases like that help us push to think beyond what we can do. From a philosophy standpoint, we talked about one ally. We we talked about how we want unique and personal experiences for our customers. And if I translate that to technology, you no longer are building a common platform that is mass produced. Everybody gets the same experience. You now have to focus on this individual customer, their relationship with us and how can we continue to provide a better experience for them, which becomes bespoke. And that is against all of the technology foundation and principles that you have learned. So how do you go from there to now creating these personalized experiences that is essentially a differentiator for us? That's where newer technologies like AI come in. And you also heard from Dai that we became a bank at the height of the financial crisis while our our culture evolved around customer centricity, there is an underlying courage in taking on things that people haven't done before. So when Gen AI showed up, we figured like, yeah, this technology is fast evolving, but it is here to stay. It's a generational technology. How do we take advantage of it? And when you have a relationship like Dai and I share. It's easy to go and say, we don't know what we're going to build with this technology, but we need it. How can we create a business case that is valuable? And we quickly narrowed down on our customer care use case. And by the way, Dai runs the customer care center for all lines of businesses across Ally, so it became easier. And we, being a customer-centric company, every call that our customer care associates have, it runs an average of 15 minutes. And at the end of the call, they try and summarize the whole call between them and the customer for ease of training, for evidence and consistency. So we said, why don't we use Gen AI for that? And Dai jumped in right away and said, yeah, this technology is here to stay. How can we experiment and move fast? So we went from having that conversation to having a prototype in two weeks to actually having an implemented use case in production in, in two months. Now, we didn't roll it out. To all the customer care associates because we needed to be focused on risk and take intelligent, smart decisions. So we rolled it out to a section of the customer care associates. And once they gave us feedback through thumbs up, thumbs down on what is working well and what is not, we scaled it to the now 700 associates who are using it. And they say that the accuracy of the summary is close to 90%. And about 85% of the time, they don't even have to go change the summary. That's the power of our partnership and the ability to experiment and quickly adopt technology and implement it um, company-wide.
3: And if I can just build on that for a second, the prototype helped us as a company really see how we can continue to advance the usage of Gen AI capabilities more broadly than that particular use case. But what we also have learned is just, again, how do we enable our frontline, uh, again, as a digital-only bank, our humans who are, who are taking calls from our customers are the, the first manifestation of our brand. And their ability to engage with the customer while they're trying to either answer their question, solve a problem, whatever it may be, and that work in the background of the summary and then freeing them up from typing and did I forget something from minute three By the time they got to minute 15, just unlocks even more satisfaction. And they're there. They're not spending their precious time typing and thinking. They're able to look quickly. Yep, this captured what happened. It's an efficiency play for us, certainly, because then they move to the next call. But it's also a quality play. And so, again, it's the first implementation there are many behind it and, and what's, what's been really exciting is just having the organization collectively upskill our thinking and stretch our thinking. What else do we do that, again, we're not trying to use AI as the primary, like, oh, we're gonna replace people's jobs. We're trying to enable our business And free our people from the mundane or the the things that bog them down that, quite frankly, are probably the dissatisfiers. So that, again, we can spend their time on value creating for our customers. So, again, we're at the early stages of this journey, but it's so exciting.
0: Peter, I was going to add, like, more number of use cases have come from our customer care associates. They're pushing the technology organization to say, here are the things that Gen AI could help us. And it was so gratifying to see that, you know, where people might think of it as, oh, why are you bringing this new technology to, this is going to help me serve my customers better and generating ideas that we could go work on.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. And clearly I, w- w- what shines through this is the embracing of, a, of an innovation mentality and a culture of that, the embracing the art of the possible. And, and Dai, maybe you can take a moment, if you don't mind, And could you talk a bit about uh, sort of the the organization's philosophy from that perspective and your own kind of orientation around innovation?
3: Absolutely. When I think back to the early days of establishing the allied brand, we had three brand pillars. Do it right for the customer, tirelessly innovate, and obsess over the customer. Those three have been central to our fabric for 15 and a half years that tirelessly innovate is so central to how we think we stay very grounded in the customer sentiment, right? Broad macro sentiment, how are customers feeling? Again, we can think over the journey of COVID and you know, just pick a time and space, but, but really using macro sentiment, direct feedback from our customers, and how do we use all that to create solutions, things that customers aren't even asking for? We've been able over the years, and 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 maybe I'll say a few things and then pop it to Satish, we created something that we call a human-centered design studio. And that has been a huge unlock of innovative thinking where we take high-performing associates and they get a rotational turn uh, through the, the studio. They learn the principles of human centered design, and they work on a business problem. And so those usually are two or three sprints, but it's grounded in empathy. What problem are we trying to solve for consumers? And again, they're they're taught how to go directly interface with with customers and get the nuggets that then they take back, build prototypes, and then we hand it off. And when when there's enough momentum behind some of those concepts, then we bring it to life. And there have been a number of things that just continue to roll through the studio. And then Satish has been able to pair that with our tech labs and some of the other innovative things. And so people understand culturally, we want to continue to push it, even if it's a capability that might exist somewhere else, how do we put an ally twist on it? And, you know, so I think there have been a number of things that we've been able to deliver over the years that we feel really proud about because of the way we use a lot of that human-centered design, innovative thinking, and innovation isn't one team's job. And I've gotten this question a lot over the years. It's everybody's job. And again, people might not think innovating in a call center environment, is that the hotbed for innovation? It's a great hotbed for innovation because they see and hear directly what customers might be struggling with. So it's pervasive, but I'll stop talking and let Satish take over.
0: Keep talking, that was great. Di <laughs> talked about what we call the TM Studio, which is directly customer facing. We actually have our UX folks our designers, and our programmers, our engineers, sitting with product people there, trying to understand what customers want, and quickly doing extreme programming and building out prototypes to see what works. To Dai's point, innovation happens from mundane things. She talked about how we get ideas from customers through the studios, and if I transition it to the customer-driven design that we empower and enable with my product and UI UX teams. We have a usability lab where we bring in customers and have have them give us feedback on, okay, this is the idea that we heard or we are trying to build. How do you think this experience is? And we call it the customer journey mapping. And we, we have created a prototype, just a prototype, and they click through and they give us feedback. And that feedback has been invaluable. I'll give you an example wires. Wires is the most mundane thing. And in the process of wires, somebody wants to understand when should I kick off the wires? When will the receiver get it? What are the steps that that are required, right? We we thought that you need to explain it very clearly that this is when you start and this is Fed-driven, Fed moves the funds. You have to click here and you have to understand all of these steps. Let's say we brought in 10 customers. Nine of them did not even click that link. And that link had the most important information about wires. So immediately, without putting one line of code in, we understood how we have to change it. So this is customer-driven design before we even invest any money in actually building it. So innovation comes there. We, We completely simplified it. And then through our tech labs, our tech labs will experiment with newer technology, but they have to have a business sponsor supporting that idea. Even if it is a new technology, they have to figure out how it'll be a customer facing idea. So we are not wasting our tech bandwidth, tech cycles. Um, we are constantly focused on customer, but we are also constantly focused on creating business impact. And that's where innovation thrives and you know pervades every part of Ally.
1: You know, it's interesting, uh, Di mentioned in one of the early parts of our conversation that she joined the bank uh, during the Great Recession. Satish, you mentioned in brief, you joined just before COVID. So each of you, uh, in the early days of your time with the organization, uh, were under the crucible of really challenging times for the industry and challenging times for the economy but each of them catalysts towards digital ways of operating. And that's that, that's true society, generally speaking, especially all the more so during COVID, uh, um, but certainly applies to the financial sector as well. Satish, I wonder if you could reflect on that time. You were not new to financial services, You were just as uh, Diane wasn't when she joined. She'd been at Citibank and at Bank of America prior to Ally. You'd been at Amex uh, a couple of posts prior to your current uh, role. But nevertheless... Um, can you talk about the advantages, quote unquote, of embarking on your journey at a time of great change, um, and the the extent to which that that uh, provided focus on some of what you've described, that's led to some of the innovation that you've described?
0: They always say you should never forget where you came from. During nine eleven, I worked for United Airlines, and during the worst financial crisis, I worked for American Express in two thousand eight. Those experiences build resilience, but also allows you to think differently than reacting and responding to what is in front of you. And while that's important, where you are is even more important. As part of Ally, the company and the leadership team said, we have a very solid, strong strategy on how we are gonna continue building our team. So we cannot take our eye off of it because a pandemic is happening. So that was critically important. And number two, what I said, those three pillars, is very simple, do it right, tirelessly innovate, and be customer focused. And that's what we were able to do during COVID. We were one of the first banks to 100% digitally allow our customers to rewrite their loans. We were one of the first banks to defer their loan payments. And these were all detailed, deep, but I would say very simple conversations with the exec committee members, and our CEO, and we were able to quickly go implement all of those. And when you have that level of clarity and consistency from the leaders of the organization, it becomes easy for the technology teams to focus on what is right, um, which is let me code and let me implement and do what is right for the customers. So that's sort of what our mindset and execution was during this difficult times.
3: I would say nothing clears the decks of distractions and unimportant focus areas than a crisis. And we tell this story sometimes, Peter, our executive team met in January of 2020. And one of the topics that we were discussing um, was a recent book that we all read called Essentialism, which the sort of subtitle is The Disciplined Pursuit of Less. And it's all about how do you spend your time on the things that matter the most and not get distracted by things that, quite frankly, are not gonna move the needle, not important. That mindset at the beginning of COVID, to Satish's point, just really helped us clear the decks of things we might've been working on that weren't really gonna be big enough to matter. Meetings that we were having that, quite frankly, we just stopped doing because they weren't real value creators and we didn't have the time. We were all navigating uncharted territory and we really try hard to continue to keep that essentialism mindset because if you're not careful, that non-important stuff can insidiously creep back in and we have to keep clearing the decks. We don't want another covid-like crisis, but it does you know and I think about that same thing when um when I first joined the company and you know, ally was was not healthy. There's just you know, you don't have time for for the the junk or the politics or the the stupidity that can creep into an organization when there isn't that clarity of focus. So it's a discipline.
1: Very well said. Well, Diana Ray, Satish Muthukrishnan, thank you both so much for a fantastic conversation uh, and a, a remarkable description of the transformation the two of you uh, and your teams. Uh, have led at Ally, Uh, I really enjoyed it. and, and, And thank you both for your time today.
3: Thank you, Peter. We enjoyed it too. Thank you, Peter. Appreciate it.